here. This is Alana. Welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. It's me and my co-host, Jamie. How's it going, Jamie? It's going well. How about you? Good. Good. I'm trying to think of something fun or new, but thankfully we've we've had a little bit more Alana and Jamie time this past week. So I think we're kind of all caught up. We are. We've been able for the to first time in a while. And do some recording. It's like I old know. times. <laughs> it is. It is. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Well, we're excited to bring you, our wonderful listeners, another Coffee Break episode. So these are topics or questions that you send into us, and you can submit topic requests or questions that you have. That is at prayingchristianmoment.com slash questions. So today we're talking about praying for unbelievers. Yes. And Maria specifically asks, how can I pray for my unbelieving spouse and siblings with hope that they'll be saved before their life ends here on earth? And that is just a heartfelt and um, commonly held question, I think, for us as Christians and and Mm -hmm. people that believe in prayer. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and pray for the show and then we'll dive in. All right. Thank you, God, for this day and for all of the ways that you have blessed us so much. Thank you for all of our listeners and for the technology that allows this podcast to exist. And thank you for this topic that we get to discuss. We just pray that you would guide our conversation as we talk about praying for our unbelieving friends and family members. God, I pray for every single person listening and the loved ones in their lives who don't yet know you. And we do pray that you would bring your gift of salvation to them, Lord. And thank you for Jamie and for what a great time we have together talking about the wonderful gift we have in prayer. And we just want to thank you and bless you and pray that our listeners would be encouraged and that you would be glorified in our discussion. Amen. Amen. All right. How do you pray for an unbelieving spouse and siblings with hope? Yeah. I kind of see this question as like, I'm kind of reading between the lines of this question. Mm -hmm. And I think probably because of some of my own questions about prayer and Like, I just think about question one within the question is, can I be sure that if I pray for someone that they'll be saved? You know, she's saying, how do I pray for my unbelieving friends and family members with hope that they'll be saved before their life ends here on earth? And it's like, how do we pray with hope? Do we know for sure? Can we be guaranteed that our prayers are going to allow that person to become a believer? I think that's kind of a hard question. And, and then the second part is how do I keep on praying and having hope, even if I don't see results in that person's life, which is the case sometimes Mm -hmm. for years and years and decades even. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take that first question. Like, can we ever be guaranteed that somebody will be saved from our prayers? Is that a promise God gives us? And I'm going to break it down into the theoretical and then the practical. So I think there's two sides of the coin, theoretically. The first side is God is going to do what God pleases to do, and we can never dictate anything to him. Okay, but here, here's also the other way to look at it. We're told, I believe in First John, if we pray according to God's word, that he hears us and that he will give us what we desire. And we're told 
in one of the other epistles, I think one of the T epistles, that God wills that none should perish. And so a lot of people, what they do is they take that to mean, okay, God, you say that if we pray according to your will, that we can be pretty much assured of your promise to answer us. And we can also know that your will is for people to be saved. And so we can pray with conviction. Now, I think that on a theoretical level, there is a little asterisk there. Because again, God's going to do what God's going to do. And there are other factors involved, whether you want to call those factors man's will to choose or reject God, or whether you want to call those factors God's kind of predetermined election. I don't think that really matters. Just know there are other factors that are involved. So on the theoretical, my answer is, I think that there's a way to explain that yes, Theoretically, we can pray with assurance that somebody's going to be saved, but we have to recognize that we can't dictate anything to God. So not really. But here's my answer to that on the practical. On the practical, I think that we should be praying with 100% certainty and conviction. Now we can do that with humility. I think that we can pray with assurance and conviction and boldness and still not presume to know God's thoughts or plans or will. I think there's a way to maintain a humble attitude, but to pray with utter conviction. And that's what I choose to do because if my prayers aren't going to make a difference, then literally what's the point? <laughs> and I know not everybody feels that that way about it, but that's how I feel about it. So that's kind of how I would break that half of the question down. Yeah, I think that's, that's very good. And I think that kind of sums up our entire prayer lives, you know, yes, you, yeah. you will have what you ask, you know, when, when mm -hmm. two or more agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by your father in heaven, period. Mm -hmm. Asterisk. <laughs> asterisk. Yeah. Period. Asterisk. That With will be humility. the title of our episode. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, yes, but, um, but yeah, I think that's a great answer. It's kind of the, you know, pray with the same conviction, mm -hmm. believing that, that this is obtainable. Um, yep. and you know, the second part of that is how do I keep on praying though? And having hope when I'm not seeing results and when that hope wanes and you start to hear the enemy whispering, it's it, your mm -hmm. prayers aren't making a difference anyway. Um, right. so that's a good question too. And so I know, you know, I think, you know, I have some ideas and that we've talked about before and that, that I kind of have been thinking about for practical ways and tips that we can pray to kind of keep that ener prayer energy going and, and mm -hmm. kind of keep ourselves focused on the positive, um, and in praying for our unsaved friends and family members. Yeah, because it definitely can be wearying mm -hmm. to, to love somebody so much and to pray with so much passion and energy and to still not be seeing any kind of results. That can be tiresome and, and quite discouraging. So I've heard a couple of things that, that I think are important to keep in mind. And one of them is that... I've heard of people, you might be one of the people that has said this, um, mm -hmm. that there have been times that they've been praying for a person for their salvation. And then they feel at some point that God releases them from that prayer, not like, oh, this person's beyond help, but as in, I've heard your prayer, it will be done. Mm -hmm. Move on and pray for someone else. And yeah. 
I, I want to, I wish I had the actual anecdote. I know that there was one story of someone like Billy Graham or one of the great mm-hmm. you know, evangelists mm-hmm. that something like to that effect was, was said. And, um, you know, along the same lines, I know you definitely have talked about prayer lists when you have a list of people that Mm -hmm. you sometimes come to a point where it's like, okay, I have so many people on my list. Got to trim it down. That I got to trim it down. So, you know, I just to keep in mind that we want to be absolutely passionate about praying for people that don't know the Lord, but the reality is we can't passionately and effectively pray for every single person that doesn't know the Lord. And Mm -hmm. so Mm-hmm. going into our prayer time for these people. And, you know, Maria's talking about spouse and siblings. Those are definitely top of the list. So yes, we mm-hmm. definitely need to, there are those people that are just, yes, we need to pray for them. Um, but then to look at your list prayerfully and hold it up to God and allow God to be part of even, it's like that preliminary prayer, the prayer before the prayer, God, who do I pray for? Who do you have in mind for me to pray for today? And, yeah. and to allow God to help you to focus on maybe a smaller number of people or organize your prayers so that you're praying for a smaller number each day. However, that feels for you. It's less of like, God, who don't you love that I can stop praying for? Like, it's never that, (laughs) but you know, who, who do you want me to focus on right now in this season, whether that's a daily thing or a seasonal thing, you know, we've got George's George Mueller's story, which I think will be encouraging for people who haven't heard it, where he had a list of names of people who weren't saved and he would pray for them daily. And when he died, all but one of those names had been crossed out because they had come to salvation. And then that person was saved like within a year or two. Right. Um, Of his death. And he never got to see the fruition of that prayer. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, so many lessons there. One is the perseverance. And one we learned from George Mueller's prayers, he prayed with assurance that his prayers were answered. There wasn't waffling in his prayers and so much perseverance. And I think that's the other thing. It's, I am going to keep on praying for this until, I think there are times, I I just finished saying we can't make demands of God, but I think there are times where he's going to lead you to take the mentality of, I'm going to stand here on this hill and pray for this thing until it comes to pass, Mm -hmm. right? Or until you like pick me up and move me onto another hill. Like this is where I stand. And so I think that there's for sure uh, boldness and encouragement in that, but that doesn't change the fact that when you're living day to day with somebody who is not showing any signs of being interested in salvation or things of the Lord, that, that it gets hard to maintain your your energy. So for me, and I think this goes back to the strengths that we talked about in our two-part episode about, we went through my top five strengths and Jamie's top five strengths from the Clifton Strengths Assessment. And my very top number one is futuristic. And it's super easy for me. If today isn't looking good, it's like a snap of the fingers for me to look five years from now. It's okay. Today, he's grumpy and swearing and blaspheming the name of the Lord, but I can see five years from now, he's going to be singing God's praises, right? So sometimes trying to, this this might not work for everybody based on like your makeup, but 
If it works for you, try a forward projection. Today you're feeling discouraged. What if in five years from now, you were able to see what a sanctified version of this person is? If five years feels too, too hard, what about 10 years? If that feels too far off, what about, you know, they're at the end of their life and they're giving glory to God, you know, whatever it, it looks like. I think that this gets into the topic of praying while we engage our imagination, right? Mm-hmm. We're not telling God what it's going to look like. We're just, we're encouraging our own selves saying, this is what could happen if I persist and persevere in my prayers. Yeah. Well, we, we did an interview with, um, with Leslie Strobel a while mm-hmm. back. So I looked it up episode 71. So if you want to go back, it was a great episode where she talks about praying for her husband, Lee Strobel, who was an atheist and antagonistic to her faith. Um, and the case, the case for Christ case for Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, yeah, there was a, a book, the case for Christ written by Lee. And then the movie, the case for Christ came out a couple of years back based on their marriage and, and their story. Mm-hmm. And it was just, um, the thing that I loved was at the end of the book. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. The book was called surviving a spiritual yeah. mismatch. It's at a the, really good one. At mm-hmm. the end of that book, they had these anecdotes of maybe it was the last chapter or something, but they had anecdotes of these couples and they had like the before and after. So there was Mm -hmm. this, you know, this woman that had been praying for her husband to come to the Lord for, you know, 20 years. And then something, she hadn't seen any, anything, not even Mm -hmm. a hint of God at work and, and his life, his antagonism to the gospel, everything was exactly the same. And just one day, a switch flipped and he was saved. And Mm -hmm. so there are other stories too, of, of incremental things where people see some of the fruit along the way of God Mm -hmm. working and they can see these kind of hints at, well, maybe God is doing that. And then, um, and then other times when people see progress and then a a total fallback, right. Right. Even worse than before. So all of that to say that to keep in, keep in mind um, that the story that is happening behind the scenes, the spiritual battle and the spiritual story mm-hmm. that's being woven behind the scenes, like you, you, you don't know that you don't know what's going on. Right. I pray sometimes for those glimpses because that those glimpses of God at work can spur us on and like, mm-hmm. us, oh, okay, maybe this is making a difference. And so yeah. I don't think it's wrong to pray that God, God, you know, me, you know, I'm getting discouraged. Show right. me a glimpse that maybe yeah. something I'm, I'm saying or praying is, is getting through. And well, and I think that glimpse could be in the real world or it could be kind of what I was talking about. It could right. be, you know, more of a, an imaginative glimpse or that is you a know, good point. a futuristic glimpse of what, what that person could look like. Mm-hmm. once they're saved. Another just real practical tip is maybe finding someone in a similar situation and praying together. That mm, can yeah. for sure bring a lot of peace, especially if we're talking about praying for an unbelieving spouse. Um, and this is why Surviving a Mismatched Marriage was such an encouraging book. Like you and I are both married to Christians, but I know I didn't. I, I think we talked about how you do. Like it was encouraging for both of us too. And mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things it talks about is just how lonely it is to be mm-hmm. in a spiritual mismatch. And so finding another uh, woman who is also married to an unbeliever, I think that's a very unique kind of prayer partnership where you kind of covenant together to to pray for your husbands and to keep each other encouraged. Yeah, 
So for Maria and anyone out there who does have a spouse that they've been praying for, uh, listening to episode 71 would be very good. And getting the book surviving a spiritual, spiritual mismatch would be really, really helpful. And I think even mm-hmm. watching the movie, um, the case for Christ or reading the book, but the movie is kind of a portrayal of their marriage in a way that really, um, it's, it's encouraging to see the steps and to see how antagonistic Lee was. Yes. To, it's possible Leslie's the movie's faith. called A Case for Faith because he wrote oh. two books. He wrote A Case for Christ and A Case yes. for Faith. Okay. So the movie's called one of those two. <laughs> I will make a note to link to that in our notes. Yeah. So that people no, can it's see a good that. one. We watched it with our youth group and there was a funny scene. It had everybody just laughing their heads off. He he looks at her and he's like, I feel like you're cheating on me with Jesus. And people thought that was hilarious. But yeah, but it, you know what? It's a real thing. And yes. you know, that's in the interview, Leslie talks about that. And you know, it seems yeah. ridiculous, but she said that he felt like Jesus was the other man. And yeah. she needed to more than preaching to him what she mm-hmm. needed to do because that was a hurdle. It was an obstacle yeah. between him. Mm-hmm. And hearing the gospel was this, this like thing that, and she needed to more than presenting the gospel to him, which was getting mm-hmm. old and he was, it was turning him off at one point. Yeah. Um, she needed to love him and cultivate yes. their marriage and do things mm-hmm. that he enjoyed doing so that he knew that she, that, that he was important to her, yeah. that their relationship wasn't in jeopardy. Yeah, that's so important. I think that's a really important, just practical for when you're in a marriage with somebody or just close to somebody, they know that you're a Christian. They also know that you want them to be a Christian and they're not, I think it's really important for you to go that extra mile to make sure they know your love for them isn't contingent on whether or not they get saved, right? right? I think that's that's very important because otherwise like nobody wants to feel like a project mm-hmm. and if they feel like the only times you're nice to them, almost like the missionaries who are like, Hey, we're going to shovel your driveway for free. But you kind of know that that's going to come with like, you know, a 20 minute pitch to go to their, you know, church or something. People don't want to feel like you're doing you're you're nice to them because you're trying to convince them to change. They want to know that you love them because you love them. Yes. I think that's so important. And, you know, that being a tangible, like, uh, example of the gospel mm-hmm. can be more effective in some cases than preaching. The oh, gospel. for sure. I mean, like, the word of God is powerful. It's, mm-hmm. it's powerful, but, and there's a time for that, but to be really sensitive to, to invite the Holy spirit into yeah. your witnessing to make sure that you're not uh, I don't know, being pushy. Yeah. Yeah. Nagging has never solved anything in any marriage. As far as I know, somebody is welcome to correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the same thing with trying to help somebody, whether that's your husband or just someone you love to come to the faith. Nagging's never going to do it. No. And shaming is not going to do it either. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, or praying, and, you know, like praying near someone. And- <laughs> Dear God, thank you for this food. And please help John to recognize that you are the author of every good thing we have. And please bring him to his knees in repentance so he doesn't burn in hell. Now, that's that's not the, the right way to do it. <laughs> right way to do it. 
Well, not to be too meta, but one of the really great things that I, one of the great resources that I have used and love is our 30 days of prayer for the unsaved Mm -hmm. that you wrote Alana and Mm -hmm. that is available for free. If, if you're interested, anyone listening that has someone in their lives that they want to pray for, um, one really great way for your prayers, not to get stale is to pray for not just say, dear God, please save so-and-so, but to pray really thoroughly and from Mm -hmm. all different aspects and sides and facets of Mm -hmm. this person. And so 30 days of prayer for the unsaved is a resource that prays for lots of different aspects of this person or people that you're praying for. So you can go to prayingchristianwomen.com slash unsaved, and you can get an email series delivered to your inbox. And you can also get it as a paperback I just mm-hmm. happen to have one. I'm going to look for for anyone that is watching the video. Yeah. Yeah. If you are in our Patreon community, you get access to the videos of our recording. So if anybody wants to know what Jamie and I look like while we're recording, yeah, 30 days of prayer for the unsaved is our, is our book um, up on Amazon. And it's large print too. So it's so mm-hmm. easy to, um, so easy to read. And I just, I like having a book in my hand. Mm-hmm. to pray. I just, and you can even, nice there, are, yeah. there are blanks. Like if you have one person or just a couple of people, mm-hmm. there are blanks. You could even write their names in it. It's yeah. really cool. Another good resource uh, specific for husbands is power of a praying wife. That's an, an old, old goody classic. Um, one other thing, Stormy O'Martian, O'Martin. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she says it actually. I don't know how to say it either, but yes, I'll link to it. By Stormy. Um, what did I want to say? I wanted to say when we're praying for our unsaved friends or loved ones, sometimes it's nice to remember to pray for all the things that aren't related to their salvation. And so one kind of tip and trick that I like to do when, when I want to pray for someone very thoroughly is I'll think about myself and almost make myself the proxy. Like I'll hold myself, like a picture of myself <laughs> in my head. And I'll be like, okay, if somebody was going to like bless me with their prayers, what kinds of things do I want them to pray about for me? And then I just use that as reminders of what to pray about for someone else. So real quick, Jamie, I see you on screen in front of me. So I'm going to say, I want to pray for her health. I want to pray for her family. I want to pray for her future. I want to pray for her ministry. I want to pray for her marriage. And so remember, again, it's not like we get somebody saved and we check them off our list and we never pray for them again. Mm -hmm. And so I love praying for people, not just about their salvation. And I think honestly that... I think it's a gift to them, like not just the gift of prayer, because that's a gift in and of itself. But I think if if you're struggling to not come across as the kind of Christian who only wants this person to be saved so that you can feel good about yourself, like subconsciously people can pick up on that. And so when you remember to pray more thoroughly and holistically for other facets of their life too, I think that's a very nice gesture of love and a good reminder to yourself that you love this person whether or not God saves them, right? It's still a gift. Let's say I'm praying for somebody who's got the flu and that person is never going to be saved. It's still a gift for me to pray for God to be with them as they're recovering from the flu and a gift for me to pray for their immune system to come up and for them to find good rest and to not be like worried, right? So Think about your prayers as a gift to somebody. And remember, there are many other gifts beyond just salvation, which I mean, of course, that's the most important, but it's not, 
not the only thing that I feel like we should focus on. I think that's a really good point. And I think that's something that can also help praying for your unsaved friends and family members not get old because you're, Mm -hmm. you're you're praying Mm -hmm. for, you're praying for all different things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to put myself into the shoes of somebody who is unsaved and perhaps at least partially antagonistic to the gospel. It would probably irk me if every time I saw my beloved granny, she said, I'm praying for you to be saved. But, you know, what if sometimes it was, hey, I'm praying for you when you go take that test. Hey, I'm praying for you to find the right house. Hey, I'm praying for that job interview. Right. And so let's remember that there's so much more to pray for as we pray for somebody's salvation. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Right, and I think that leads us kind of into a pitfall of praying for someone to be saved is you could use that as an excuse not to be the person to share the gospel with them or not to be loving in action ways or not to even say verbally, you know, well, I'm praying for them and that's okay. If you're an introvert or if you're someone that, that doesn't feel like you have the gift of, um, I don't know, evangelism or, or Mm -hmm. sharing, then you might just use that as an excuse not to be the person that mm-hmm. says, Hey, just so you know, I mean, it might take, if you're like me, like it, it took me years to be able to tell mm-hmm. someone I'm praying for you because I didn't yeah. want to offend them. I didn't know if they were a Christian or mm-hmm. worse yet. I knew they weren't a Christian and I didn't want to be offensive. So it could be a great step. If you do find that you're a person that prays for the people that don't know the Lord, but don't mm-hmm engage in other ways too. I mean, it's, it's all spiritual. It's all worship. So, I mean, you know, you can, you can engage with someone or just, or tell them that you're praying for them and not necessarily just that they'll be saved, but for situations that are going on in their lives. I think that can, that can be good. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the reminder, like if, if we focus only on salvation, then, it's as if, you know, getting somebody into the doors of heaven is the only goal. And there's so much more to the Christian walk. Like how many of us were surprised? We thought that getting saved was like the thing. <laughs> and then we start this relationship with Jesus and realize how much more there is. Um, one thing that I like to do additionally to pray for unsaved friends and loved ones is to pray for their future Christian walk, because I don't want to be in the habit of just praying for somebody to get saved and then bye, see you later. You know, uh, I want them to become mature believers. And so praying beyond the point of salvation, I think is really smart too. I listened to a speaker who had been on the mission field in Mongolia and their church planning philosophy is they were planting churches from day one with the mindset that those churches were going to plant churches. It wasn't, we're going to plant a church and that's going to be our thing. It was, we're going to plant this church and teach this church how to plant another church. I feel like we can 
kind of adopt a similar mentality in our prayers for others. I don't want to just pray for Jack to be saved. I want to pray that Jack is going to be saved and spread the gospel to everybody in his sphere of influence and beyond. I love that. That is great. Yeah. Um, Real quick, since I know there are most likely many women in a similar situation who are in a marriage to an unbelieving spouse. I know we talked a lot about the prayer side of things. Do you have any other just practical tips or encouragement for women who find themselves in that situation? One thing, one thing that comes to mind is, um, well, this is kind of pertaining to prayer, but, um, one, one of our most popular blog posts is what, um, what happens when, things get worse after you pray. Oh yeah. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I could see someone who's been praying for a spouse for a long time or even a short time, maybe you just started even, but not only do you not see forward good movement, but things get worse. The the spouse Mm -hmm. becomes even more antagonistic, even more um, opposed to hearing the gospel or just becomes mean (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. that, that when that happens, to think that, you know, just to realize that a, of course, when you start praying, there's going to be enemy attention, you know, it could Mm -hmm, be mm -hmm. that that there's a spiritual battle going on and you're, you're riling things up. (laughs) Right. Right. So just to, to not be discouraged if things do get worse or don't seem to change, um, but to keep praying and to keep going to God and not to back down and, and not to feel like, um, like it's pointless because that's what the enemy would love is for you to get, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but in terms of practical things, um, I know, you know, we don't like to talk about sex a whole lot, but one thing that, uh, that Leslie Strobel said mm-hmm. was make sure that you are being intimate with your spouse because, yeah that in itself can speak volumes of, you know, for you as a woman to, Mm -hmm. to basically be like, you know what, because there is this stigma or maybe it's a, what would you call it? Maybe a stereotype stereotype that Christian women Mm -hmm. can't possibly be passionate women that Mm -hmm. have sex. (laughs) And of Mm -hmm. course, yeah, yeah, we all do (laughs) if we have kids, you know? Um, so I think the one thing is to to be intimate with your husband. That is one way that mm-hmm. can build his confidence in your love for him in your yeah. marriage. Um, and it's not something I thought about when, when I first, mm-hmm. was, you know, thinking about praying for your unsaved spouse, sex is not something that really, comes right. So I think that's one thing. And um, another thing that, that I'm, you know, stealing from Leslie is um, do something that interests him. So mm-hmm. Um, even if it has nothing to do with religion. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. like, for instance, my husband who happens to be saved, but he likes bike riding. He's Mm -hmm. a biker and uh, not a biker, like (laughs) motorcycle, but, um, but he likes biking. So I know that it really means a lot to him when I initiate, Hey, you want to go for a bike ride? Mm Because he usually is the one that will do that and want to bike ride. But if I were to say, Hey, I got Mm -hmm. a babysitter. And I think we should go on a bike ride together, even if I would way rather go see a movie or go have yeah. coffee or whatever, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. doing something that interests your husband is, is just, it's, it's being the hands and feet of Jesus. It's loving your husband. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and 
it's, it's not very cool for you to expect him to be interested in your love for Jesus when you're totally ignoring at best or like even mocking (laughs) at worst, you know, like some of his bad habits, I guess if we're going to leave with other practical tips, it would be, you know, don't expect a non-believer to act like a believer. If your husband is not saved, he's going to talk in ways that most Christians don't. He's going to have hobbies that some Christians don't. And his relationship with Christ comes before all of the behavior changing. So you pray about you pray about his relationship with Christ and his standing before God and allow God to take care of the behavior stuff. It's not your job to be your husband's conscience. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that just sounds like a terrible, it sounds like, like I would very strongly, I would have a very hard time. I'm trying to use sweet, soft language. I would have a hard time if I was married to somebody who was like super into nutrition. And every time I went to like open the fridge and he's like, oh, you're having that. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's put ourselves in that kind of situation. It's like, oh, you're getting seconds at dinner. Like, Mm. you know what? my love for you and your love for me shouldn't be dependent <laughs> on that, that sort of thing. Right. So yeah, I hope that everybody listening gleaned a little bit of encouragement and inspiration for that. Let's just also end with, if you are in a marriage to an unsaved husband, it's going to be really important for you to seek out some fellowship and encouragement mm-hmm. from other sisters in Christ. And if you're not married or if you are married, but your husband is saved, or maybe you're a widowed, whatever, let's just remember to keep that segment of the church in prayers because it does come with, you know, some loneliness and some just difficulties in knowing, you know, okay, do I bring this up again? Do I not? Uh, what are we going to do with the kids? Right. That's, that's a hard one. Uh, He doesn't want the kids to be reading the Bible. He doesn't want you praying with the kids. What do you do? So let's just remember, uh, regardless of your own personal situation right now, to be praying for our sisters in Christ who find themselves in some of these situations that that need prayer. Yeah. And we talked a lot about spouses, but of course the same applies to, um, people with children and yes, other loved yeah. ones and family Especially members. adult children. Yeah. I would love mm-hmm. to just drive home that point. Don't expect your adult children who aren't saved or who at least aren't claiming Christ right now to act like a believer. Mm-hmm. You know, your job isn't now it's one thing when they're still in the home and, and underage, but like by the time they're young adults and doing things that you don't want them to be doing, you don't have a ton of say in that. So you, you sit back, you pray, you keep the doors of communication open and you make sure that they know that they are adored and loved and they will know who to go to when things are hard. Yeah. Amen. Awesome. Well, we talked a little bit about our prayers for the unsaved. So we're going to close our coffee break episode with one of our prayers. And you can find these, like we said, at prayingchristianwomen.com slash unsaved. Um, And this is one of those, one of the many prayers for the unsaved, 30 to be exact. Dear God, thank you that my friend does not need to be afraid of the opinions of others. Thank you that your perfect love can cast out all fear in their heart. Father, you see what my friend needs. You know the courage it will take for them to turn to you. 
Please grant them that faith and boldness, Lord. No matter what sacrifices they may have to make in order to come to you, help them to joyfully choose you, just like the man who found a treasure in a field, then sold everything he had to purchase that land and claim the treasure as his own. I pray that you would tear down whatever stumbling blocks remain in my friend's way to salvation. Whatever is holding them back from saving faith in you, I know that you are stronger and I know that you can overcome. Hear my prayer today, Lord, so that my friend may know the joy of your salvation. Amen. All righty. Amen. And again, if you had any topics for us to cover or specific questions about prayer, you can send those to us for future Coffee Break episodes at prayingchristianwomen.com slash questions. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer for Maria and everybody listening. And that will be a wrap. So let's pray. God, we're just so thankful for your love for us. And we thank you for your gift of salvation. Thank you for Maria and sending in this question. And I pray that if she's listening, she will feel your love and inspiration and encouragement today. And we pray especially for any a wife whose husband is not a believer who's listening, help them to feel your special love for them. Help them to find wonderful avenues for fellowship outside of their marriage. And please start turning their husband's hearts closer to you. And for all of our listeners, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to have a passion to be praying for the unsaved loved ones in our family. We pray that you would grant those in our immediate circles your gift of salvation just like you've given to us amen amen thanks for joining us on today's episode of the praying christian women podcast we'd love to hear from you so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com journal to download your free prayer guide We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.